Hey, what's going on, Cleveland? <laughs> How you guys doing? You guys look beautiful. You look beautiful. You look beautiful. Somebody, come on, give it up for Jesus. Don't get up for Marlon Sattler. Give it up for Jesus. My goodness, he is right here in this building. Amen? Well, I'm telling you, it's so good to be right here in the house of the Lord. There is no other place that I would rather be. I'm just honored to be able to step in uh, for Pastor Dom today. Uh, what an amazing pastor. Right? What an anointing on that man's life. You know, uh, I'm just glad that he's able to, to get away with his family. Uh, you know, Mark 6, 31 says uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he told them, you know, to come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. You know, um, and uh, there was an evangelist that said that uh, you have to come apart or else you'll fall apart. And so I hope and pray that Pastor Dom is with his family right now getting some rest and just enjoying life right now uh, because he, he does so much for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Well, joy is your compass and Jesus is your destination. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Take that with you. Receive that. Receive that. <laughs> My wife and I, we love to uh, count our blessings every day and and today, uh, I just want to say my blessing last night is I went on a hot date last night. I went on a hot date last night. You know, I went out and I took, I had a beautiful woman on my arm and, and went out to dinner and went to a movie. Has anybody seen Jesus Revela Revolution? Oh, man. Man, I mean, I wept for an hour and 45 minutes. I cried. Uh, if, you, if you haven't seen it yet, go get a ticket and check it out, you know. But I went on a date last night, and so uh, that's my blessing. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage all of you guys, all you married couples, take advantage of this Rated R conference, you know. Uh, the first conference we went to, we were only married for a couple of months, and she told me that there was a conference going on and she wanted to go to. And I thought, what are we going to a conference for? We just got married. Ain't nothing wrong with our marriage. You know, but these conferences are like your car. It's like maintenance. You know, you need to go out on a date. You need to go out and have a good time. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm with, with, with Pastor Clarence over here. Like, I mean, it's restoration, revival in my marriage, you know. So that's what I'm going for, you know, and, and some laughter. It's going to be a good time. I won't give nothing away. So, uh, but just make it to the marriage conference. Spots are filling up fast. And so you want to get on there and you want to register uh, to go. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we surrender to your leading today, Father. Father, I pray that you would open up our, our, our eyes, open up our ears to hear your, your word today, God. I pray that our, our spirits are open to receive it and, and to digest it, God. We do all for you, Jesus. Everything that we do is for you. We love you and we bless you. Come in here and change us, Father. Change us today, God. We don't want to leave out of here the same way we walked in here. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right. Well, in uh, June of 2018, uh, Michelle and I took our family on our first family vacation. Um, we were taking the kids to Virginia Beach. And the week before that, we had actually just signed to close on our house in uh, North Ridgeville, uh, the house that we live in now. And so we were leaving to go to Virginia Beach early on a Tuesday morning, uh, probably about 4 or 5 o'clock, I think, we were leaving. And um, the Monday before that, I had to work, and so 
uh, I went into work and um, uh, I got there about eight o'clock and my boss asked me if I could go into the conference room uh, and meet up with her. And so I went in there and in there was sitting my manager, my assistant manager, her boss and his boss. And I sat on the other side of the table. And I sat down and my soul said, oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. I got into work at 8 o'clock. I got back home at 9.30. I walked in the house to tell Michelle, hey, I just got fired. And if you ever told somebody and they gave you 15 emotions in two seconds, I said, I just got fired. And she said, okay. And I was like, really? Because it didn't seem okay. And we talked for a minute, and, um, and she went upstairs, and she closed the door. And I paced back and forth, and I thought to myself, maybe she heard me say, I'm tired. <laughs> but we still, had to, you know, we still had to get through our day, and, and we you know, talked later on, because um, you know, we still had to lay down and, and sleep. We still had to lay down and get some rest, because we were leaving early the next day, and we still had a nine-hour trip ahead of us so we could go to Virginia Beach and have big fun with smiles on our faces, still had to come back and prepare to pack and move into our new house. Yay. I had just lost my job. So we didn't know what to do. We didn't know if were we supposed to cancel this trip, you know, are we supposed to, to, to go to Virginia Beach and break dance for money to pay for stuff for the kids? I don't know, you know. But our emotions were, were just on 10 when we were there in that moment, you know? And so, you know, we all grew up in two types of settings. We grew up in the first setting is where we take all of our emotions and, and we just stuff them. We deny that they even exist. We don't want to talk about it whenever there's a tense moment. All we do, what we do is we just shove it under the rug and, and we don't deal with it, you know? And that's, that's an unhealthy way of dealing with those things. But that's an environment that I grew up in. The other setting is where you, you, something happens and, and your emotions come up and you, and you deal with it almost immediately, right then and there. You want to talk about it. Uh, and, and that can be healthy, but, but there can you know, be times where you allow your emotions to, to overtake you and, 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 and say some things, some dumb stuff that you have to apologize for later. And that's, a, that's another, another setting. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to go to Psalms, but... You know, I was going through something in my life last week and earlier this week that, the, that my emotions were running wild, and I just felt like everything was coming up against me. And, I, you know, uh, Psalms, what Psalms does is, is it does neither of those two that I just discussed. It does neither. What Psalms does is it gives you a middle lane, right? Psalms teaches you to neither, neither deny your emotions nor to allow your emotions to overtake you. What Psalms does is it teaches you how to pray through your emotions in the presence of God. And so today, we're going to go to Psalms, Psalm 3. And this is David. David, it says, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. 
But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord. In the New King James Version, it says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. I cry out with my voice. And he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though ten thousand, tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. Uh, the title of my message today is Confidence in Chaos. Confidence in Chaos. Psalm 3 is uh, the first psalm of the 150 to actually have a title to the psalm, all right? It looks kind of like it's the first verse, but the title of Psalm 3 is, is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And the title of the psalm tells us that there were events or, 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 or occasion, there was an occasion going on when David sat down and wrote this psalm. And the events that were going on in that psalm were found in 2 Samuel 15 through 18. What was happening when he wrote this psalm was that his son Absalom had led this rebellion against David. And, and, and he, he caused, it caused David to have to flee his kingdom, flee Jerusalem, because all of the people in the city were, were coming against David and taking sides with his son Absalom. David had no choice but to abandon his throne and allow God to decide who God wanted to reign. And so he found himself uh, in, this, uh, in this city, uh, this temporary place of refuge out in the desert. And David had lost everything. He lost his kingdom. He lost his friends. He lost his own son, all of his possessions. He almost lost his life because it says in numbers there were 10,000, 10,000 people coming up against him. And so it's in this context that David writes the words for, uh, found in Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is also uh, one of the first in a series of psalms that is known as the Songs of Lament. Songs of Lament are when the psalmist lifts his bur the burdens of his heart uh, and, and the complaints about life up to God in prayer. And this is uh, what David does in the opening verses of Psalm 3, where he says, Lord, how many are, are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. See, Psalm 3 is, is what, what I call a morning psalm. It's when, it's when you get up in the morning and, and your, your marriage is in shambles. That's what Psalm, Psalm 3 is for. It's when you, when you get up in the morning and, and, and your kids have decided to turn their back on Jesus and, and they, they've chosen drugs and alcohol. This is Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is when you woke up and when you, when you lost your job and, and, and you don't know what to do. This is Psalm. Psalm 3 is when you, you know that you got a tough day ahead of you, right? When you know you got a fight ahead of you. This is what, what Psalm 3 is about. David a man after God's own heart had just been run out of his palace from his own son, and he had thousands against him. Like, what do you do 
when your world gets turned upside down, when you feel like the world is against you, what you do is what David did. David took all of his complaints, all of his concerns, he took them directly to the Lord. You bring your concerns, you bring your complaints to God. Last week, we were in Columbus watching my granddaughter, and she loves her uncle. She loves Uncle B, is what she calls him, Braxton. Anywhere he is is where she wants to be. She loves Pop-Pop because Pop-Pop lets her do dumb stuff. <laughs> you know? And he'll get on his knees, and he'll, he'll be a horse. So she loves Pop-Pop. But she was running through the kitchen, and she fell, and she, she hurt her hand. She didn't go to Uncle B. She didn't go to Papa. She knew to take her concerns to Mimi because she knew where she needed nurturing, and so that's where she went. When David found himself in this bad position, this bad situation, he didn't waste time posting on Facebook or Instagram. You know, he didn't text a friend or call complaining to tell somebody else about his situation. David took that situation directly to the Lord. You see, most of us will carry our worries and carry our burdens uh, and our situations and our stresses because our pride will not allow us to humble ourselves. But, But the Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting one of your cares. No, no, no. Casting maybe two? maybe three a week. He said, cast all your cares. Just cast all your cares on him. The enemy's schedule is full. He is full trying to tear you down. But if you would just bring all of your worries, bring all of your cares, all of your complaints to God, he will lift your head up. He can handle it. He's a mighty God. He can handle whatever it is. And whatever it is, is the it is whatever's worrying you, whatever's, whatever's keeping you up all night, whatever's, whatever's got you pacing the floor back and forth at night. That's what it is. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, encourages us to take it and place it behind two other words. Pray about it. Pray about it. Take it to God. David, David knew that. And so he went and told his daddy his troubles. People he knew, trusted, and loved had shifted sides, and they were seeking to end his reign. They were seeking to end his life. Everywhere that David looked, friends had become foes. And can I tell you, church, that we are no exception. All it takes is one misunderstood post, one misunderstood text, And before you know it, you look around and you got a bunch of enemies with evil intentions around you. We're no no exception. People you love and you trust can end up doing more to hurt you than than to help you. And this this is what David was going through. And listen to the slander. The slander in verse 2. He says, God will, God will not deliver him. They were saying that God, there's no help for him in God. They had concluded this because they knew about David's business. They knew about his business. They said, you know, they knew about the affair with Bathsheba and, 
and, and, and, and, and, and her husband being murdered, Uriah being murdered. So they knew about his business. You ever had somebody know about your business? And they become judge, jury, and executioner in your life? They told him, they said, they said this, David, you created this situation for yourself. You put yourself in this predicament. You dug a ditch so deep that not even God can get you out of it. But this is where we need discernment, church, because that ain't nothing but a conversation of, from the enemy. That's the words of the adversary. The devil would have you believe that you are in such a crisis, such a storm, in so much trouble that not even God can get you out of it. But can I tell you today, there is no situation that God can't get you out of. There is no problem that God can't solve. There is no, no storm that God can't calm. It doesn't matter what it is, what you're facing, what it looks like, what it seems like, what it feels like, there ain't nothing that God can't handle. But this is, this is what they were saying. That's what they were saying. But when I read this, I thought, this is a warning to us. This is a warning to us as well, church, because we have to be careful not to be conformed to look like they. Because of what we know about somebody. Like, don't be found guilty of spiritual malpractice by misdiagnosing other people's problems. David was in trouble, and the people around him had concluded that God had turned his back on David. But what they didn't know was the physician that they were referring to was David's own private doctor. And instead of spending a bunch of time worrying about what they were saying, David made his own appointment and went and talked to God himself in prayer. Are you showing up for your appointments, church? No, really. Are, are, are you every day, are you showing up for your appointments? Because the creator of the universe, the creator of this universe has time to pencil you in. He is penciling you in. And, and most most Christians don't even make it to a private session with the king of kings. But he thinks that you're special enough that he will pencil in time with you. He, he wants to take time with you and give you, he wants to take from you what, what you can't handle, what we can't handle, and give us what we don't deserve. So we can take it and seize the day and give him glory for it. What a privilege. What an honor it is. You got to get to your appointments. Sunday mornings are amazing. It's amazing in here, but it ain't enough. It ain't enough. 
You walk out of here and go, you're leaving so much more on the table if you ain't getting to your appointments Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you ain't getting to those appointments, you're leaving everything else on the table. You're leaving freedom on the table. You're leaving strength on the table. You're leaving power on the table. But, but notice that David doesn't stay stuck with his complaints too long before he makes this shift. He, he gives his complaints two verses and then he moves on. He makes this shift from complaints to confidence in his God. From the complaints to confidence, we have to have unshakable confidence in the Lord. Unshakable confidence. Like David, our, our prayers, they have to be strategic. They got to be strategic. If, you, if, you, if you're spending too much time on your, on your problems, if you're focusing on your problems too much, what it does is that those problems will swell to a point where they feel overwhelming or insurmountable. And it'll still have you leaving out of your prayer closet feeling broken and defeated. But if you would just shift your focus from your problems to your God and see him in his true stature, it has a way of shrinking your problems down to a manageable size. You got to look at and acknowledge God's character. This is the only way that we'll survive every day. This is the only way that we survive the chaos in our lives. Just acknowledging God for who he is each morning has the potential of changing the course of your entire day. Of your entire day. Who is he to you? Like really, who is God to you? David, he says in, in verse 3, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. You have, to, you have to hollow his name. You are my shield. I'm going through some stuff right now, Lord, but you are my shield. There's this tension between verse 2 and 3. You see, he said, he said they said that you turned your back on me. They said you turned your back on me, Lord. Forget about them. You, Lord, you are my shield. You are my glory. You have to make that shift. A shield. A shield is just a piece of armor used to defend against arrows or swords of the enemy. Last year, we went to um, Synergy uh, I think it's called Synergy Woods Paintball Park out in Grafton for Pastor Troy's birthday. And there was about 12 of us that went out and played. And uh, we stayed out there for, I don't know, we played for probably about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Played about five games. And by the end of it, there was only about five of us left. And we wanted to play one more game. And so they had uh, the next group that came up was a kids. It's about 11 kids between the ages of 10 and 12. And uh, they started to divide us up to even out the teams. And the kids were like, oh, man, we want to play with each other, you know. And so we, by this time, we were playing for like an hour and a half. We were assassins. So <laughs> we, we were like, whatever, go ahead, play together. It's just the five of us will play against you guys. And uh, so we went out on the field. 
And uh, the game was like a capture the flag game where one person from each team had a shield. And I was the person from our team. We had a shield. And what you had to do is you had to go on the opposite side of the field to capture their flag. And so they blew the whistle, and we took off, and I ran out, and I got about a quarter of the way in, and you could hear the, the, the guns, you know, and the, the paintballs going by you, hitting the tree, hitting the leaves. And Pastor Troy was like, you know, he's with Obi. He's like, go ahead, man, you got it, you got it. You know, and so I ran up a little bit, and, and we're just shooting. I can feel him hitting the shield, you know, and I ran up a little bit further. He's like, go ahead, you got it. And I got about halfway into the battlefield, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we got this, you know. And we were just picking kids off left and right. You know, and they were out there screaming, oh, I'm hit, I'm hit. And I'm like, you know, you're on the wrong team. I told you, we're killers out here. <laughs> and so I got maybe halfway, like I said, I was about halfway there. And I heard, you know, Pastor Troy in the back, he said, go ahead, man, you got it. I was like, why are you so far behind me now? You know, but I had my shield and I kept feeling them hidden. And I moved up a little bit more. He said, go ahead, man. I said, I'm scared. I'm scared right now. And I turned around, I saw two kids over here, and I moved my shield, and whop, 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 whop. I just got hit all in the left-hand side, and I jumped down, and I said, I'm hit, I'm hit. Boom, they hit my hand. They hit my hand. Then they start kept shooting on the side. I was like, I'm hit, Jesus, I'm hit. And the refs came out, and they blew the whistle, and they ended the game. Well, how many of you guys know that you, you're on the battlefield every day? You're on the battlefield every single day. And the devil don't care how many times you throw your hand up and say, I'm hit. He don't care how many white flags you raise, how many times you say, I've had enough. He'll just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. He don't care if your mama come out on the field. He's shooting. Your kids come out on the field. He just going to keep firing. But, and the problem was the shield that I had in my hand, it was only blocking anything that was coming from that direction. But David said, he didn't say, God, thank you for giving me a shield. He said, God, you are my shield all around me all around me he said you're my protector from the front you're my defender behind you're omnipresent you are everywhere and he is deflecting every arrow of the enemy that's coming at you he's deflecting them from the left he's deflecting them from the right and can i tell you that even if an arrow gets through the shield know that it has been screened by god that arrow has been screened by God, and he will use even that arrow for your good. He will take that wound and turn it into a testimony. And he will use you. He will use you for whatever you went through. He'll put whoever he needs to put in front of you. And you'll say, oh, man, you were dealing with alcohol? See, me too. Me too. I, de I dealt with that. You're addicted to Look, I got that too. That happened to me too. Yeah, abuse. Oh, man, look at that. That's right here. But I am still here because of my God. I'm still here. His grace, his grace and his mercy. He's so wonderful. He'll use those wounds. Don't worry about the arrows of the enemy. He's a defeated foe. David said, 
You are my shield. You are, you are my glory. This isn't somebody talking who's been forsaken by God. This is, this is somebody talking who had a personal relationship with the Lord. Do, do you know who your God is? After being uh, defeating the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Abraham, uh, 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 he was worried that they, that they thought he was stealing the booty. And so he told them he, he wouldn't take anything. He wouldn't take anything. And, and, and he had a vision from the Lord that said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And this is still the promise of the believer today. He is still your great reward. Psalms 18.30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. It don't matter what you're going through. There is only one that can protect us from both the seen and the unseen. And when you know, when you know that you know that you know who you are in him, you ain't worried about the enemy. You ain't worried about the powers and principalities of this world. You know that you have victory in him. You know that you're protected by the Lord. You don't have to bring your own strength. You don't have to bring your own shield. All I bring with me is, is, is the spirit of the living God. He is my strength. He is my shield. David, David kept a faith file. That's what he kept. David was able to look back at his faith file. He was able to say, you know what? When, when I was a teenager, I was able to grab a lion and a bear by the jaw and club it to death. That's what I was able to do. I was protected. Man, the next year, you know what I was able to do? I was able to walk out on a field and face a giant with only a, a slingshot and a couple of stones. I was protected, man. He got all of his strength, all of his courage. He had, he had a faith file. We could, we could all use a faith file. Because we, we, we all get spiritual amnesia. Right? We, 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 we can rejoice and we can sing and we can praise until the next problem. And then we forget all the stuff that he done done for us. We forget everything that he done done in the past. This is why the believer needs to have a faith file. Because you can record everything that he done, all his goodness. Even if, and put something in it every day. Even if you just put, I laid down last night and I woke up this morning. You need a faith file. You can look at your faith file. You can say, man, Lord, you brought me through that. You, you'll, bring me, you'll bring me through this. I got through that. Because of you, you brought me through that. You can get me through this. He stood with unshakable confidence in chaos. That's why he could say to God, you are my glory. You are my glory, God. The word glory, when, we, when it pertains to us, is our, our status, our, our self-worth, our significance, our identity. And I believe some of us need to do some soul searching because it could be that our anxiety 
and our fears are just the result of misplaced glory. You're looking for it in all the wrong places. You're looking for your glory in that relationship or, or that job. Or some of us are looking in super, superficial things like, like trying to obtain a look to be validated. I am standing up here right now in skinny jeans. I'm 200 and blah, blah, blah pounds. They shouldn't make nothing for a man standing five foot six, 200 and blah, blah, blah pounds, they say skinny on it. But I said, Pastor Dom got skinny jeans on. I'm going to get my preacher pants. Them is, them is skinny jeans. It's ridiculous. I came out of the dressing room with my wife. I was like, how they look? She was like, it look good. I was like, cool. Skinny jeans. <laughs> but, <laughs> but David, David said, you can have this world. You can have this world. I still got my glory. Because my, my self-worth and my identity was never rooted in my palace. It was never rooted in my guards. It was never rooted in my money, my title, my possessions, my relationships, my skinny jeans. It wasn't rooted in any of that. My self-worth and my identity is rooted in my God. And as long as God is still on the throne, I still got my glory. David said in verse 4, he said, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I told you in the New King James Version, it says that I cried out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice. One evening while we were at home, I was getting ready for bed and I was upstairs. I think I was reading or something and I heard my daughter Marley downstairs, she screamed, Dad! And I jumped, I, I knew something was wrong, and I jumped up, and I, I, we, had a, we live in a split level. I missed the first five stairs, and then ran back down in the other, down to the lower level, and she was standing in the middle of the living room, just frozen. And I ran down there, and I said, what's going on, what's wrong, you okay? And she was like, here's a spider. And I was like, oh my goodness, Michelle! so shameless. I do a lot of stuff at home, you guys. I do, but I don't do spiders. <laughs> but I stopped everything because I heard my daughter cry out. Your father hears your cries. He hears your cries. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar who sat on the side of the road and, and he couldn't see, but he could hear. And he heard all of the commotion going on around him. And he said, what's going on? What's happening? And they said, they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And, 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 he, and he, 
he knew that was his moment. He knew that was his moment. And he said, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And the, you know what the people around him said? They said, be quiet. They told him to be quiet. But thank God Bartimaeus was tenacious. The Bible says that he lifted his voice and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And it says Jesus stopped. He stopped. And he commanded that he be brought to him. You see, there's, there's, there's times for quiet, meditative prayer, but there comes a time where your soul is desperate, where your heart is broken, and your mind is confused, and the only thing that you can do is cry out to the Lord, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me! Have mercy on me! I didn't even know who he was when I called him, but he came. He came. God hears a sincere heart. That's what he hears. A sincere heart's reward is the presence of Jesus. Jonah was in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the ocean somewhere, and God still heard his prayer. There ain't nowhere in this world that you're going to be that God can't hear you or reach you and pull you right out of the arms of the enemy. He is so mighty. When you have unshakable confidence in God, what he does is he gives you rest. He gives you rest. See, this world isn't designed to give you rest. It's not designed to give you peace. Our only peace, our only rest comes from the person of Jesus. It says that there were, there were 10,000. 10,000 men were on an adjacent mountain ready to pounce on David. And, and, and you, you know what it says he did? He laid down and went to sleep. He laid down and went to sleep. He said, God is my shield. He's my glory. My confidence is in him. I'm going to lay down, and when I lay down, I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to be tossing and turning all night. I ain't going to be pacing the floor. When I lay down, I'm going to sleep. Let me ask you, church, how many people does it take to disrupt your day, to make your life miserable? Is it, is, is it 10,000? Maybe, maybe 5,000. Maybe it's just 1,000. 500? 50? 20? 10? I don't know. I'm telling you, I'm convinced that it is only one. It only takes one, just one to disrupt your day. One slandering Sam, one pitiful Paul, one cockeyed Christian that will just ruin your entire day and ruin your whole world. <laughs> 10,000 men you give us two or three and we are pacing the floor all night popping melatonin trying to fall asleep 
You got to take something to fall asleep at night. You just roast in the morning to get up in the morning and, and get through your day. It just takes one. You got to build your confidence. It takes making it to your appointments every single day, sitting in his face, hollowing his name, telling him who he is. When Moses was worried about the fate of Israel and the effectiveness of his leadership, it says that he leaned in to God. He leaned in to the Lord. And Exodus 33, 14, I didn't give you this, but it just says, and he said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. When we, when we place our complete confidence in God, we, ha- we, we, we truly have an unfair advantage. We do. We have an unfair advantage, child of God. Because he, he not only hears you and will come get you, he'll give you rest right in the middle of your chaos. While everybody else is looking at you wondering, how you sleeping? How you getting through this? See, like I said, when, when I told her that, she went upstairs. When she closed that door, I thought she was mad at me. She was just getting in the face of Jesus. Could nobody else deal with that? She got in the face of God. When, when, we, when our confidence is in the Lord, what he does is, is it helps us recognize that he is playing in the background. That he's always doing something in the background. There was, there was an organ virtuoso in the 1800s that uh, had a concert, and he played one of those organs, those pump organs. You know, you have to pump air in them to, in order for them to play. And he had a concert, and he walked out on stage, and, and, and the crowd went wild. And he stood there, and, and they were going crazy, and he sat down at the organ, and he held his hands up, and silence fell across the room as he dropped his hands, and he just, he played masterfully for, for an hour. Over an hour, he just played masterfully. And when he was done, he lifted his hands off the organ, and the crowd went crazy. They went wild. And he got up, and he looked around, and as he was bowing, you know, he walked off the stage. And when he got behind the stage, there was a young, poor boy who had been back there, the entire time, pumping air into the organ. And he looked and he said, he looked at the virtuoso and he said, man, he said, they loved us, man. And the virtuoso looked at him and said, what do you mean they loved us? They loved me. And a few minutes later, as the crowd yelled, encore, encore, he went back out on the stage. And he walked over to the organ, and he held his hands up, and silence fell across the crowd. And he dropped his hands, no sound. (laughs) And he held his hands back up again, and he dropped his hands down on the organ, no sound. And he got up and he ran backstage and he looked at the boy. He said, pump, man, pump. And the boy said, no, 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 no. 
if you did the first half by yourself, <laughs> go on and do the second half by yourself. All I'm saying to you, church, is there is somebody in the background of your life pumping air into every moment of your life. Even those moments where you feel like a dead man walking, he is pumping life-giving air into your life. And when we, when we acknowledge God in the middle of the chaos, what it does is it helps us take our eyes off of the problem and, and off of ourselves and, and just place our confidence in him and confess that it's nothing that we do to save ourselves, but salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He is mighty to save and worthy to praise. Somebody give the Lord a great big hand. Well, stand with me as I stand with me as I close. Oh, Jesus is so good. Jesus is so good. <laughs> I walked in here last week, y'all. Listen, I came from Wycliffe, and I walked in here, and I just had to come give uh, Pastor Don something. And I walked in that door, and the presence of the Lord just hit me. And I, I took three steps in, and I tripped over a body. There was surrender all in this room. Oh, man, he's so awesome. He's so awesome. I just see lives being transformed every single week. Nothing that we're doing, nothing we're doing, just surrendering to him, just being grateful to him. You know, the enemy, the enemy's gonna, he's going to pop shots at you every single day. Uh, he is going to shoot at your marriage. He's going to shoot at your kids. He's going to shoot at your ministry. He can't stand that. He's going to shoot at your ministry. He is going, he's going to shoot at your career. And whenever he comes after you, it feels like 10,000 soldiers are coming after you. But oh, our God. Oh, our God. He's such a mighty shield all around us. Deflecting every arrow of the enemy. You don't have to worry about your life. It's all in his control. Start making your appointments. Get to your appointment. Have a private session with him every single day. Don't skip a day. Your mighty physician, he wants to take all those feelings and emotions, and they're real. You know, we get fooled by that as Christians sometimes. They're real. But he's saying, you can't handle it. Just bring it over here. Lay it down. Let go of it. I can deal with it. You can't. Bring it to him every single day. Exchange it. Make an exchange. Your emotions, your problem, his strength, his peace. Have unshakable confidence in the Lord. Recognize the need to come to the throne of grace and seek his inexhaustible provision. It's never ending. 
You have to cease to trust in yourself and instead entrust your entire life to Jesus. If there's anybody in this room that has never asked Jesus into their heart, sincerely, sincerely asked him to come and live inside of you. We want to do that today. It is the best decision that you will ever in your life. The best decision that you'll make is giving your entire life to Jesus. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He wants to live inside of you. He wants to give you a life of freedom. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Transform me. Make me new. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I promise from this day forward, I'll live for you. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you today. We're going to have some of our pastors and altar ministers come up and pray for you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that in the middle of our chaos, in the middle of our mess, God, that we can just call on you, Jesus. Doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody does, Father, we know that you are our great physician, our mighty warrior. We thank you for being there, God. We thank you for being such a strong shield around us. We don't have to look anywhere else for our significance or our self-worth. You, Lord, are our glory. We thank you, Father, that all we have to do is call your name. Call on the name of Jesus. And you are right there. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, Father. Salvation belongs to you. We thank you, Father, for the healing that's happening today, physical healing in bodies, God, spiritual healing that's happening. We thank you for revival that's breaking out right now across this region. We declare right now that unsaved family members are giving their lives to you today, right now, in this hour, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, God. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. I want to thank you all for coming. It's such a privilege to be here with you guys today. Such a privilege to be here. 
I thank you all. I love you all. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. Amen.